Homestyle Green, episode number 26. G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. I'm your host of the show, Matthew Cutler-Welsh, and I am a housing sustainability expert. And you are someone who wants to help create better homes for people and better homes for the planet. Now, I'm a few days late today. I'm really struggling still at home with my lack of connection to the big wide world. My internet uh, service provider has let me down big time. I've been disconnected by phone and by internet at home for nearly two weeks now, which is quite staggering. And uh, it's meant that we haven't been completely cut off. Luckily, we've got um, some mobile broadband here, broadband. But, gee, it does beg the question about uh, the importance of connectivity. And I, I mentioned last week that the theme of the show was connectivity. And I've been thinking about this week um, because... Something else very, very exciting happened today, um, which I might talk about a little bit later at the end of the show. So tune in to find out what is the big excitement at the Cutler Welsh household today. Something I've been dreaming about probably for probably 10 years, actually. Happened all of a sudden. So um, check in to the end of the show. And we'll ask the question, does connectivity and technology... Um, be is it required for sustainability what do you think anyway let's get on with today's show it's part two of my interviews that i conducted while i was down in christchurch at the uh, rebuild and renovate show recently heading back there again tomorrow for another event uh, this one is the prefab hive expo which is the exhibition of um, home innovation and this is at the um at the park back of the park grounds and there are some great examples of prefabricated houses down there, mostly being Homestar rated and very exciting because there's one in particular which is an eight-star Homestar, one of the first, and that is a, it's called Warm Homes and it's a high-performance home and I'm hoping to get the designer of that house on the show uh, at some time because it's got some really innovative stuff going on down there. So I'm looking forward to that tomorrow. But this is back uh, a few weeks now from when I spoke to some people at the show. Now, first person uh, is Bob Burnett. Now, Bob Burnett's been on the show before, and if you haven't listened to his episode, go back to episode 14 of Homestyle Green. And I had a chat to Bob then about um, what got him inspired to be an architectural designer. And indeed, we talked about what an architectural designer is, as opposed to a, an architect, and, and why you should have one. Um, now, Bob specializes in high-performance homes, and he is one of the people I know who uses some great tools out there that are pretty available today to actually model his designs before they get built and provide really good information about what the homeowner can expect in terms of their heating requirements and also the comfort the level of comfort both in winter and in summer and this can be done pretty easily these days so it's a really good thing to ask for if you are looking at designing a home uh, ask you ask your designer and if they can't provide that sort of information then maybe you should maybe it's time to find a different designer and if you're a designer or an architect then definitely check these tools out and start promoting them because there's some really really valuable stuff in there and 
um, you know, you can avoid a lot of mistakes uh, at the early stages of a project. So anyway, I caught up with Bob. He's got a new company called Eversun Homes, and he was at a stand on the show. All right, I'm here with uh, Bob Burnett from Eversun Homes. Bob, how's the uh, home show going for you? It's really busy. I think it's probably one of the busiest shows. Now, you've had some recent positive publicity on the news and in the press recently. What has been the interest there and why are people specifically seeking out your skills? Yeah, we, we, did, a, um, we did a story and it got picked up by TV1 News and it's been phenomenal. We've had um, uh, loads of uh, emails and phone calls and a big spike on our website. And yeah, it's, it's around the affordable, small, high-performance homes that we're doing. And um, it seems that there's a lot of interest out there. And it's it's almost like it's it's going viral. You know, some of my clients came to see me at the show, and they said that they were texting their friends and putting it up on Facebook. And um, it's really encouraging. I think um, my feeling is that. Um, it's very topical out there amongst people, the, the energy efficient homes and building better homes. And yeah, we could be reaching a tipping point where people are actually catching on big time. That sounds great. When you, I mean, when you say high performance homes, for those that haven't seen the, uh, the article, what, what does that typically mean? What does it look like? Um, well, to be honest, it probably doesn't look much different to a normal home. It's more about sort of what's under the surface and, and the detail, how it's, how it's put together to eliminate any thermal bridging, any heat loss. Um, high performance windows is a, is a key thing because a lot of the heat goes out the windows. Um, there's probably a little point in thinking about the, the walls, roof and floor um, without considering the windows. Um, so that's a key element. Um, yeah, but there's a lot of things go into it, and I think a, a important message for people is that it's affordable, and that, you know it's not going to cost an arm and a leg. It's not going to cost the earth to save the planet. <laughs> that's that's good. That's I like that. Now, you, so you talked about affordability, and a lot of people are concerned when you mention high performance windows and uh, European technology and higher levels of insulation. How can you make a house? How can you create a house that's comes into that category of affordable, but also high performing? Well, I think everybody's got to find the kind of sweet spot for what they can afford. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's about thinking about what the, what the payback is and, you know, what the capital outlay is for certain features and certain aspects, and then thinking about what you can afford um, in relation to what you want your power bill to be, um, and also thinking about you know what what would it mean if you took the savings that you can make in running costs and put that back on your mortgage because it can have a profound effect on affordability if you think about can how can you pay your mortgage back quicker by building an energy efficient house. So it's about that running cost as well as the upfront cost. Yeah, very much. You know, you've got to look at the whole picture. Um, you know, the the financial equation is a compelling one and it, you know it makes sense um, but the other thing that's probably less tangible is you, you're actually going to get a better quality home that's comfortable and warm and uh, better to live in. Yeah. Um, we, we were talking yesterday about uh, 
people often build a house for resale value, but um, what, what's been your experience with people that, uh, that live in, in the homes that you design? Well, yeah, um, I, I was, people have asked me about, you know, how do you value a green home? And um, most of the time, if you talk to a, a registered valuer, they'll value properties on indicative sales or, or, or history of sales, things that have sold. And I had to, I had to have a think about it, but um, I can't actually think of any clients of mine who I've designed a house for who have actually sold it because once they get a nice, warm, comfortable home, um, that they love living in. They don't. They don't want to move anywhere else. And um, but I have been building some spec homes, designing and building myself, and then selling them. So I'm starting to build up a bit of a track record for what these properties sell for. And um, there's there's data from overseas, from quite extensive surveys from California, where they say that it's around nine percent more for a green home than a normal home. The the value is nine percent more. Yeah. The 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 sale price, but the but the building price is, is not necessarily uh, much greater. Um, yeah, well, I'm I'm not sure how that relates, but I'd say you know you, it's probably less than what the value of the house is. So you're on a winner, you know, if you can build something that's more valuable than what you put into it, and also have a a more enjoyable and better quality home to live in. Yeah. Hey, well, thanks for your time, Bob. Uh, good luck with the rest of the show and good luck getting that word out and more people interested in uh, better performing homes. Thank you very much. Yeah, interesting point there that Bob made towards the end of that interview is that we often think about the return on investment when we look at building our homes slightly above the building code or improving their performance. And we, we often use this figure of around five to seven years uh, thinking that's when most people stay in their homes. But as Bob pointed out, if you build a comfortable home, there's a very good chance that you might want to actually stay there longer than that because you don't want to move anywhere else. So um, an interesting concept there and one of the reasons I think that it is often hard for people to get their head around uh, the the extra, that you might have to spend a little bit more on building a good home. You don't always. There are definitely ways of building it uh, for the same price. For example, maybe building it slightly smaller and but it does require a little bit different think, different way of thinking. Anyway, next to where Bob was at the show was another friend of mine, Thomas Van Ramsdorp. And now I had the privilege of attending a workshop that Thomas ran um, a few weeks ago. And it was all about um, air tightness. And the air tightness has been a, is it controversial? I think it is controversial. People are, and we've talked about this before on the show, that particularly here in New Zealand, people tend to fear the concept of being closed in inside their houses. We often hear people say that it's not the way we live. We like to open up. We like to be outside. We like to have that indoor-outdoor flow, as uh, the real estate agents might say. But that's not really what airtightness is all about. Airtightness is about control. It's about controlling that airflow. And the key difference is understanding infiltration versus ventilation. Infiltration is the leakiness that we don't want to have because that's really hard to control. That's basically poor building, uh, a, a poor building envelope where the air is flowing in freely. Ventilation, on the other hand, is stuff that we control. So Thomas is probably one of New Zealand's experts, I'd have to say, on the, on the practical 
implementation of air tightness, um, ventilation, and moisture control, because all those things are, are very related. Anyway, he's got a, a whole bunch of products marketed through his company, ProClimber, and we had a bit of a chat. I'm here with uh, Thomas Van Ramsdonk from ProClimber. Uh, Thomas, how's the show going for you? Yes, yeah, uh, first day of the show here in Christchurch, and uh, we're quite uh, surprised how many people came up to us and uh, started talking uh, also to us about ear tighteners and blow door testing. Because uh, yesterday on TV3, uh, Grand Designs episode aired uh, where they showed a blow door and ear tighteners details uh, at the show. And uh, so we have a lot of people coming up and just asking of us uh, what they've seen on telly yesterday. That's very convenient for you guys. So now, ProClimber, um, how would you sum up ProClimber, what you're all about, and what you do? Um, we actually 100% subsidiary of our parent company in Germany and Proclima for many years is now specialising in high performance membranes and tapes so we've come a long way internationally and uh, yeah since 2006 we're also in New Zealand. Right now on the subject of air tightness I think a lot of New Zealanders are a little bit nervous about air tightness and I've heard people say they don't want to be sealed up in a box. What does air tightness mean for someone who's building a house and why should people who are looking at a, at home building, why should they care about it? Yeah, thanks Matthew. It's, uh, I think there's a, a lot of misunderstanding really in the industry in terms of uh, what ear tightness means. So there's two fundamentally different things. Ear tightness describes the uncontrolled air movement through the building envelope, what we might call infiltration. And uh, it's very important that we have as less infiltration uh, or as high air tightness as possible because the principle of insulation is actually the still trapped air between the fibers of the insulation, so not actually normally the fibers or the, um, the pores uh, surrounding it. And um, we all know this uh, good practical example. If you have a nice windy day, you wear a thick woolen jersey, we still uh, feel very cold. So we naturally ourselves tend to wrap ourselves with something to create what we might call wind tightness, but it's actually creating air tightness. So um, the first part to air tightness is to actually ensure that the insulation can perform to its specified R value. And the second part is that in modern buildings where we create uh, temperature variations between inside and outside, which we want, uh, so in winter time, of course, we want to have it, have it warmer on the inside than possibly on the outside or in summertime the other way around. So basically, when we start creating temperature differences between inside and outside, nature tends to balance things. And what we find is that energy uh, goes from a higher level to a, to a lower level. So, for example, in the winter nighttime situation, we have uh, hopefully 20 degrees on the inside, what the World Health Organization is recommending. And maybe here in Christchurch, we get down to uh, zero uh, degrees. So we have an energy flow from the inside out. And unfortunately, whenever energy in this instance, heat moves, it starts pulling moisture with it. So it's very important that uh, we also look into the moisture control. And ear tightness is an essential part to ensure that we, have, we don't have um, uncontrolled warm air from the inside penetrating into our building envelope and possibly creating a condensation risk or mold risk and mold growth within our building envelope. So ear tightness is a key part of keeping our building structure dry and, and avoiding that unnecessarily... Um, moisture build up. Absolutely correct. The three uh, principles, the three main parts to building an energy efficient, uh, durable and healthy home is uh, one is insulation, so we're talking about bulk insulation and walls, uh, ceiling, uh, double glazing, triple glazing, joinery, whatever you uh, uh, fancy there. Uh, then air tightness to ensure that the insulation can actually work. And the third part that we are really forgetting at the moment is ventilation. 
so these three things have to work uh, together. But um, in general, uh, well, internationally, it's uh, worldwide recognized that if you build tight, you can actually also ventilate right. And one of the things that we found uh, over the years is that if you live in a cold building, you don't ventilate. So uh, if you live in a warm building, you do actually open up windows and doors, and that allows in for natural um, ventilation. And that's the key thing about air tightness. So um, air tightness is infiltration and has nothing to do with ventilation, because I don't think that anyone in their right mind would like to inhale air that passed uh, through their building envelope. And uh, I think looking at the New Zealand Building Code and international standards, um, that wouldn't be classified as uh, fresh air or outside air. Right. Yeah, clearly uh, it's quite a complex issue, and I really like that term of um, the air tight, be air tight, what is it, tight, tightness and then ventilate. Build tight, ventilate right. That sounds good. Um, now clearly, You've got a whole range of products, and we can talk. In, I'd love to talk in more detail about uh, ventilation uh, and the, the technical details of that. But what are some? Uh, what's a, maybe one product that you're particularly excited about and showing off here in the stand? Um, we are maybe a little bit different in terms of how we approach the market. So we do extensive research, and we are um, high, or a manufacturer of high-performance membranes and tape systems. And one of the things that we came across is that every single builder was complaining about sill tapes that, that are currently in the market whereby they didn't um, maybe um, stick properly to a range of surfaces like metal or concrete or timber uh, or flexible wall underlays. And also often they didn't adhere properly to the surfaces when it was cold and damp. So these are tapes for those, for people that don't know what a sill tape is, that's a, that's a tape that goes um, in the frame, around the framing before a, a, something like a window goes in the hole? Correct. It's um, used for any um, openings, any penetrations that we have in our um, weather tightness layer, so in our either rigid air barrier or wall underlay, to ensure that the framing is not exposed to the elements. So that's the main reason uh, we have it there. And with the sill type, what we did, we actually talked to a lot of builders to try to understand what their needs were in terms of the uh, product and also about around their skills. Uh, so it's very important to understand the application and also the applicators. And what we did, we went back to the drawing board. It took us about a year and a half to actually develop this particular product only for New Zealand. And the major advantage is that it's a very thin product. Um, it is self-sealing. So if you have a horizontal surface and you drive a nail or screw through, it's actually uh, self-sealing. So you have no water penetration through that. Um, it sticks to any surfaces. So I do put the challenge out there. If anyone wants to give it a go and find something where they can't stick it to, I shout them a dinner. And uh, the other thing is that it's uh, a one-piece stretchable one. So instead of using corner molds and um, maybe butterfly extra tapes and so on, you have one piece, you just cut to the appropriate length, uh, you install it on the sill, you stretch around the corner, and that's us. Now, this is obviously pretty hard to describe verbally, but I've seen it here, and it is very impressive. And maybe we'll, we'll, we'll uh, put up a, a photo of it. But to get around a three-dimensional corner without any cuts and any joins, um, Bit of a challenge there to come up with a product that would do that? Yeah, and that's why it took us nearly a year and a half to really develop the product because the problem is that if you stretch something around this uh, three-dimensional corner, uh, you want to have something that's as stretchable as possible, uh, uh, but also not having a memory effect. So when you pull it around the corner, you don't want to have it pulling back. So that was uh, a key issue really for us to overcome this particular um, corner detail. Uh, I'm very proud to say that we managed to do this and so it's in the market uh, and um, I just say watch this space. We have uh, a press release coming up next week uh, in terms of uh, 
some of the verification on the performance of this tape. And uh, just for, for practical people, especially builders out there, we, we did a trial with um, a couple of builders and they were telling us that normally with the standard sill tape, they, it would take them about a half a day to install it on an average 200 square meter home with like the usual openings. Uh, with our tape, they managed to do it all in one and a half hours. So uh, there's a significant cost savings also there. Yeah, that's a, a significant saving right there from a whole day to an hour and a half. Hey, look, um, obviously a lot more stuff that we could talk about. Where can people find out more about ProClimber? I guess uh, the easiest point would be to go to our website. It's uh, ProClimber. It's P-R-O-C-L-I-M-A dot co.nz. And on the ProClimber website, you will also find a link to our Facebook page where we have a lot of exciting projects up there. Can't reveal much about the clients, but uh, we're just uh, working with a a well-known jeweler with his own golf course at the moment, a 1,500-square-meter extension. And uh, if you want to know more about it, just hit our Facebook page. And it's great. Great. Hey, well, thank you very much, uh, Thomas, and good luck for the uh, rest of the show. Thanks, you, Matthew. Cheers. Thomas Van Ramsdorp there from ProClimber. And earlier we heard from Bob Burnett from Bob Burnett Architecture and also from Eversun Homes. Now, don't forget that you can go back and listen to episode 14 with a, a full interview from Bob Burnett, and we talked a lot about uh, ArchiCAD and, and 3D modeling and thermal analysis. So definitely check that out if you haven't listened to that one already. Now, I mentioned at the beginning that it was a pretty exciting day today. We have got solar powers on our roof. Now, we didn't this morning. Um, it took quite a while. They were here for most of the day bit of an innovative system so it took them a little bit longer I think than they were anticipating but they're up there now we've got 12 um, polycrystalline panels and I there's a whole episode in that so won't get bogged too much down in it right now suffice to say very cool program that Vector Energy up here in Auckland are running. It's a bit of a pilot at the moment. There's only four or five installations that they've done so far. But I'm very excited to be one of those. And when the sun comes out tomorrow, we'll be starting to generate our own electricity. Now, 12 panels, that should be about half of our electricity demands. And like I said, there's a lot to talk about there. But two very exciting features of the Vector system. One, it comes with batteries. It's tied to the grid, but there are some lithium-ion batteries now sitting in my garage. And once I get back on the internet, there will also be a iPhone app. So I'll be able to see what's going on at my house and on my roof at any time of the day, wherever I am. Very cool stuff and stuff that I think we should talk about more. And I'm hoping to talk to... Anthony Thornton, who's running the show for Vector Energy. Um, hopefully we'll get him on to the Homestyle Green podcast in the near future. So I'm very excited about that, and I'm hoping to report in. I'll post some photos from today's activities and uh, so you can see what we're talking about, and then we'll, we'll, we'll loop back to that and see how things progress. Uh, that's it for me for this week. I'm going to go and find an interconnection somewhere so that I can post this episode and stay tuned in the future. Like I say, we'll talk more about solar. I've also got that interview with Ben Adam Smith from House Planning Help. Um, I've got that lined up pretty soon, so we'll get that out there as well. Have a great week. Thank you very much for tuning in. Tell your friends, tell your colleagues about the show. 
Um, don't forget to rate your house using Homestar. And would love you to head over to iTunes and pop a little rating or a review in the show. That would be awesome. Helps our reach, helps build our community and get the word out there. That's it from me, Matthew Cutler-Welsh. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.